Can artificial intelligence be leveraged to improve Opportunity Zone investing? Find out next on today's episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. In these early days of Opportunity Zones program, there has been an influx of interest from investors who are seeking the amazing capital gains tax benefits that the policy offers. But many of them don't have real estate portfolios or relationships with developers. And on the other side, there are thousands of real estate developers seeking Opportunity Zone capital. InvestReal is a data platform for Opportunity Zones that helps connect investors with developers. And I have the pleasure today of speaking with InvestReal's founder and CEO, Stefan Chimenez. He joins me from his office in New York City. Stefan, thanks for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jimmy. Pleasure to be uh, speaking with you and thanks for the great great things you're doing for the Opportunity Zone industry. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here and happy to be speaking with you today as well. So to get us started, why don't you just tell me what is InvestReal and, and what was your impetus for starting it? Well, absolutely. So um, InvestReal, as, as you mentioned, you know, like it was a great introduction, by the way. Um, we are a data-driven marketplace operating the Opportunity Zone space. Um, so if, if we look at Opportunity Zones, the way the law works and all the details, and, and I will certainly go through that uh, later during the podcast. But ultimately, as you mentioned, there is a lot of interest from investors to reinvest their gains and into new projects. And we believe that a lot of them will seek real estate investment projects. But what do you what do you do if you don't have relationships with developers, or even if you do have relationships with the developers, uh, as a lot of family offices do? But let's just say you, you you have a relationship, but your developers don't have projects that qualify as opportunity zone projects. Um, so what do you do? And on the other hand, you are a real estate developer, and you're used to raising money from family and friends. You're used to raising money uh, from a certain type of investors. You don't really have relationships with investors that have realized capital gains or like uh, high net worth individuals. So what do you do? We want to be basically the solution of connecting A to B. Right? So we want to be the place where both parties get together, connect and meet each other. So that's, that's uh, a big part of our objective. But even going beyond that, what we want to do, we want to strive to we want to ensure that uh, both parties strive for success, right? We want to make sure that the uh, what everybody's doing in the industry actually makes sense. And and the big challenge of operating the opportunity zone space is, as as you and I know, and everybody knows, it's opportunity zones are low income census tracts. Those are distressed areas, uh, and those areas actually have like they're not accustomed to receive investments, um, even though a few of them have already um, right now and they're let's just say even gentrified, but majority of them are not high income. Like there are areas which are in distress situation. So as an investor, how do you invest in an area that's distressed? Uh, like ideally what you want to do is, yes, you want to be a part of the, you want to receive the tech, like the financial benefit from the taxes, but you also want to ensure that your, like your investment makes financial sense 
just from the perspective of it. So we actually help investors and developers understand the locations by utilizing uh, a like a very robust data analytics platform that analyzes and tracks metro areas, zip codes, and census tracts, and opportunity zones are census tracts. So we basically track all of those through data, analyzing any opportunity zone through over 88 different indicators so that whenever an investor can look into uh, a project inside an opportunity zone, our report is such a robust report that he will almost like he will understand what's going on in that neighborhood, what's going on with that area without actually having to visit. Like you, you can actually become a specialist in a location that you've never visited. That's what we strive and that's what we're doing at Investorio, connecting investors and developers and using the data to help them understand what's going on in the neighborhoods. Yeah, it's a big, uh, big mission you're trying to accomplish there. I appreciate all the uh, all the work that you're that you're doing there to to help bring that information to the investors that may not be as familiar with investing in some of these low income markets. Um, so, but Stefan, I want to back up for a second and get some of your background. Where are you from, first of all, and and how did you get to where you are today? Well, I've I've got this very interesting mix of a background. So I'm a German, Brazil, and Swiss Polish. Uh, like it's it's like I I I I I was born and raised in Brazil, uh, speaking German to my mother and English to my father. Uh, went to German school. I was a serial entrepreneur since college. I've always building businesses. I was a um, so I I built a few businesses, and one of the things I built very early, I, I got involved with Airbnb at its early stage. Uh, and I was basically recruited to be the person in charge of its international expansion um, through the entire Latin American region. So we had an office in Sao Paulo where we we were basically operating the entire Latin American office, um, the entire Latin American region out of our office in Sao Paulo. Uh, we I was also responsible for its its growth, uh, which we can even say is exponential growth uh, in that space. And Airbnb got me very much inspired by keep on building businesses. After Airbnb, I built a digital media marketplace, which became like one of the largest ad networks in Brazil. Um, and after that, I realized I was actually investing in real estate using just my own money. And I realized that real estate is the largest asset class in the world, but one of the least sophisticated in terms of utilizing technology for investment purposes. Um, so I had like this idea that you know I I've, I've been working in like in tech businesses for a while and I could see that there's a lot of data in real estate but it's just not really well like investors weren't really using this data so I decided to create with my business partner a platform that will analyze real estate investment opportunities on a, almost like on a quantitative approach like literally like using um, technology advanced analytics AI all all those trendy words to identify properties in the US that were mispriced and people weren't really realizing that. So we actually raised a fund with our own money. Um, and we just like we were just putting our own money to work and buying properties all across the country. So the first part of our technology was really like looking at asset values uh, and looking at properties, property values on this quantitative approach. And then uh, we realized that we were only looking properties from one perspective, which is uh, like on a cap rate basis uh, perspective. But we actually had to build a system that will help us understand if, if we will buy a property in a given neighborhood, what will be the impact that that neighborhood will have in our given asset? You know, um, So sometimes you can buy a property at a very low value and you can rent it well. 
But that property, like that neighborhood might be a very risky area. And in a few years, you can lose your investment uh, if property values can be can go down. So we actually ended up building this really big system that basically allowed us to analyze every metro area in the U.S., every zip code, every census area, every census tract. Uh, and we could like literally track which are the best ones we wanted to be as investors. And last year, when we heard about the Opportunity Zone, uh, like law come to light, we were like, wow, this is actually uh, a great opportunity for us to um, you know, utilize our technology and maybe do something with it. Because like we had this technology that was ready and it was analyzing census tracts and opportunity zones are census tracts. So we're like, well, like, you know, we were aiming at one point, we actually hit another one. Uh, and, and, and in tandem, we've realized, you know, like as, as I already mentioned before, um, there, we saw that there is a big need for investors and developers to connect. And I built multiple marketplaces in my life. So on one hand, we had all this data. And the other hand, we had like all this experience in building and building marketplaces. So we decided to combine both together and create Investrio. Um, you, so basically helping the industry understand which are the best opportunity zones to be in, where you want to be, and also helping investors and developers connect and transact, which is the ultimate objective of, of, of the law, right? Like enabling a growth in neighborhoods. Exactly. Yeah. Enabling growth in neighborhoods and uh, bringing new jobs and and economic revitalization to these these downtrodden, these distressed communities. So you already had the the tech platform, it sounds like, and you just, you just uh, applied it to the Opportunity Zone space, which I think is great. A big picture question for you now, Stefan. What, what's your overall view of the Opportunity Zones policy? What's your take on the on the program? So first of all, I think it was the the idea was it's it's incredible, right? Um, the idea of incentivizing investors to reinvest capital gains into areas which on a normal basis would not receive those dollars, and not only invest in, in, in basically really strong economic drivers of, of like, for example, is real estate and not only like simple real estate, real estate development that creates a lot of jobs and income and, and you know, or businesses where you see companies moving into certain areas and actually uh, like, you know, like whenever businesses grow, you see all the economic drivers that we see in places like San Francisco, Seattle, all like, you know, like, uh, it's a very the idea of having an investor re like realize a capital gain and reinvest in in a low income area. It's I think it's a genius idea. You know, like um, there's some numbers pointing out there. Um, and like there's like roughly six trillion dollars of unrealized capital gains in the U.S. Uh, so we're really talking about investors that just don't want to realize their gains because they don't want to pay their taxes. And we're really talking about, hey, sell your Apple stock, and instead of buying another like Fortune 500 company, you're actually going to build a multifamily development in a low-income area that will actually create economic prosperity for the region. I think this is a sensational uh, idea, and will really build up and the economic like it really help build up the economy in those areas. And the second thing, which I see is also uh, a very interesting thing about this law is it's, it's 
it's very efficient to the extent that there's there's very little bureaucracy involved in it. You know, like it's not that you have to be audited all the time. You know, you just literally check a box in your tax return and you say they reinvested your gains into it. Because the problem is like there are a lot of well-crafted ideas coming out of Congress. You know, I don't think any congressman in any side of the aisle makes a law because they think this is actually going to be bad. You know, everybody makes a law or thinks it's going to be good. The problem is sometimes the execution is not that that great, right? Um, and in this case, the way they crafted it to really make the process pretty smooth uh, will mean that people, you know, you don't really have to hire super expensive lawyers and accountants and attorneys. You know, like you 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 can do it um, at a very. It can be very easy to invest into the opportunity zone space which will drive even more dollars into it. So I think this is a really great program. Yeah, it, I, I believe that it is a great program too. Um, it's taking stagnant capital that is kind of just sitting in the market and putting it into communities that really need it. And, and I think you're right to a certain extent. I think it is efficient in that these qualified opportunity funds are able to self-certify and there's very limited amount of bureaucracy uh, that or and red tape that they have to go through. There's no application process. You just, as you said, it's just IRS form eight nine nine six. I believe you just check a few boxes, and all of a sudden you're a qualified opportunity fund. There's a lot of compliance to deal with, so I wouldn't necessarily. I don't know if I necessarily agree with you that that you don't need uh, lawyers and accountants on the case. I think you do when at least when you're first starting off and getting the compliance. No, no, Jimmy, wraps, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 you absolutely need all of them. I'm just saying you don't need to have necessarily the most expensive one in the space. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's plenty of money to be made for accountants, attorneys, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go into any endeavor on investing opportunity zones without them for sure. Uh, as you mentioned, like you, ha- do you have all the compliance issues? You, you can't. You have your thresholds of investment. You have the time you need to invest. You, you, but I'm just saying it's not only for the extremely wealthy out there that's kind of my my opinion okay no i think i think we're on the same page now i agree with you there uh, what what are some mistakes that you're seeing being made by opportunity zones participants in these especially in these early days of the program so i i think the majority of the mistakes i'm seeing is people that just purely want to raise money without actually having great ideas already and just blind pool funds of capital and with without any sense of where they want to put the money in. I think that's the biggest risk. Uh, and and so just like, which I would call even like dumb money chasing dumb and uh, dumb investors, right? I think that's, that's really, uh, that's really a problem. And we hope that it, if, if, you know, I'm not saying a lot of people are doing it, like just there might be just a few bad actors out there, uh, people just taking advantage of it. So we hope that you know at the end of the day, people have to invest because it makes financial sense before the opportunity zone. Um, the opportunity zone is just the icing in the cake, right? You can't just invest in an opportunity zone fund because uh, you just have capital gains and want to be a part of. You want to receive the tax benefits. You have to invest in a project that actually makes financial sense before. Um, so I think those are like um, a few early mistakes um, that that I'm seeing, and we really hope that um, the the problem is if if something like this 
gets on uh, in a, a few years, we see something like this blow up, it can be a problem for the industry. So hope that that doesn't really happen. Yeah, I know. I agree with you completely. And and this comes up on a lot of these podcast episodes, the the concept of not allowing the tax benefit tail to wag the investment dog. The underlying investment has to make sense before the OZ benefit even comes into play. Uh, and and yeah, I think we are going to see some bad actors here in this first wave of OZ investing, and hopefully they don't taint the pool for the uh, what I believe is going to be a second wave of of investing uh, once everybody has digested the the regulations and can and can move forward with with some more confidence. So I want to talk about real estate data and and uh, and CRE tech with you for a minute. Why is there a need for better real estate data? What is missing currently? Well, I, first of all, if we look at what happens in in real estate, uh, I think we don't really have to go back into what happened in 08, uh, where a lot of people were seeing, but a lot of people were not seeing what was happening. Right? So, real estate—it's a very first of all—it's a very local uh, localized industry, and people usually have a hard time looking beyond their locations. So that's why. People say this market is still strong, whatever, and then everything goes bad because they didn't really see the big picture, right? So that's kind of like one of the first things uh, is allowing investors to like real estate data allows investors and developers, anybody that's putting money to work, right, on real estate to have a big picture. Um, and I think the second thing, which is very, and if you're looking at a big picture, you start looking at different market dynamics that in that impact different markets and different neighborhoods um, in different ways, right? So if we like going back to your way, like one of the reasons why, why is data so important? Because data in 08, if you lost money, if you had data, you could probably have prevented it. Um, but in today's date, um, or even in 08, even though the market crashed, there were still markets and during the crash that were appreciating or stable in value. So saying that Every, like the entire U.S. economy, like the real estate tanked, it's not true. Uh, the majority, definitely yes, but few markets actually were resilient to it. So because they had different market dynamics, or a lot of them did not really appreciate a lot before, so they they would there was never really a big swing down because they had never swung. You know, like the swing wasn't ever up before. So that's kind of like. So what we believe that through data, data allows investors to look at different market dynamics and look at their, like, what are they looking for? And based on their investment profile, really understand where you want to be as an investor, right? So if you're looking as an investor, say, I'm an investor that's willing to take a little, little bit more risk. And I, let's just look at the opportunity zone space and data, right? So we can divide the opportunity zone into, like, we actually divide opportunity zones into eight, eight different quadrants from rural to uh, and urban. And then if we look at those, like we call them segmentations, we got like the, and like each one, each one of them, like the urban and the suburban, we divide it in four. So we got like, for example, strong urban markets, which is a high density area with high income growth and, and high growth rate in terms of population growth. And then you have the slow urban, which is like high density with low income and low population growth, right? So, and then we've got like stable urban, which is you've got uh, high income growth and low population growth. Emerging urban, you've got like low income with high growth uh, and high population growth. 
So it, an investor can say, I want to be in a market where I want to be in the opportunity zones, which are the most developed, like let's just say almost the ones that are almost gentrified. Um, so this investor can be in, in, in a certain market because he can have like an, say, I want to be in this market, but I'm not really willing to take a lot of risk. So the data can tell you where he wants to be. But if you want to be an investor, say, okay, I want to be in a market that will appreciate in value. Uh, I want to look at growth dynamics, right? I want to be in areas where, for example, from, like where our data tells you there's a lot of um, quality of life growth. Uh, and then we can get a little bit into more details about what quality of life means. Uh, for example, I want to be in a pop, high growth population, like markets where we see high growth population rates or income rates and all of that. So someone can be in areas where you say, I only want to be in growth areas where income is low, but I'm seeing a lot of change. And because I believe that those indicators will, instead of having, instead of having a, let's just say a 15% return, I want to have a 25% return or even higher. So the data can tell you where to be. But not only that, the data can also tell you where you shouldn't be, right? So I connect. So we were talking with this investor who was raising an opportunity zone fund. He was super excited about the project he was looking into, um, and he was like, "I'm, you know, we're super excited buying this property and doing this development strategy on it." And he put the platform, he put the data uh, where he was buying the property in our platform, and it literally took us two seconds by looking at the data saying, you should not do this investment because you're going to lose all your money. You know, this area is not going anywhere. This area, according to your strategy, does not work. So literally data saved him millions of dollars and his reputation. So that's how powerful data is. Oh, I have no doubt it's powerful. And and it's a time saver too, right? Because you were able to plug in that census tract or that address and it it spits out the profile in, in just a, a couple of seconds, I would imagine. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. So our system basically uh, it, it works for multiple different ways. You can you can just have access to our system in an app, and you're driving around the city, and it will find your location. It will tell you if if you are inside an opportunity zone or which opportunity zones are near you. And then it like literally you can just drive around. Okay, I'm inside an opportunity zone. You click on a button, and you will see like a report on what's going on in that area. Like is uh, like what is the quality of life of people that live in the area is it accelerating or not what's going on with rents what's going on with property values do we see income growth what's the risk of investing how strong are the fundamentals in those markets so we can literally do that on an app on the phone or an investor can come to our platform and say okay i am an investor i want to be in markets where i see high population growth where i see high income growth where i see high um quality of life growth rates where I want to be close where like there are young people's. I want to be in very close proximities to the cities. It literally clicks all those boxes and our system will basically rank all the 8,700 opportunity zones according to those investment uh, criteria. And we will tell the investor based on what he told us, the, this is the first opportunity zone you want to check projects. This is the second one. This is the third. So we will really rank all the 8,700 markets into like a list and investing, okay, now I should focus my attention in those markets. And which data points are you collecting? And, and at what level are you collecting data points? Is it, is it the property level or the census tract level? So we're collecting them on a census tract level. Uh, so right now, our system does not look into, um, let's just say, you go into an area and you want to find multifamily 
uh, operating a cap rate of five, three, four, seven. Like our system is really looking at like neighborhood trends, right? So, and for us, we're really talking about sensor strikes. So we actually like opportunity zones are sensor strikes. So we look at sensor strikes, zip codes, and metro areas. So we actually track those geographies through over 88 different indicators. Uh, and they all come from different sources and they're all different indicators. So for example, one indicator is a fundamental score. A fundamental score is a combination of income, income growth, and population growth. So really economic drivers. Um, the other one is quality of life score. A quality of life score is something, it's a very interesting thing. I think it's, it's worth spending some time talking about quality of life, right? So quality of life is at the end of the day, trying to measure exactly what it's saying. How good is it to live in this area? And how do we do that? So we looked at, we basically run, uh, we had, we studied a lot to try to see what are the things that impact us as humans um, and uh, really affects our lives. And it comes down to like very um, things that everybody will understand, right? It's basically everybody wants to live in an area where you have, uh, you know, ideally high income. You want to live in an area where there's jobs available close to you, uh, where everybody has a high education, where you have low crime, and you don't commute long times to work, you know? Um, so, you know, those are just a few of the data points we use to determine what is the quality of life of that area. But what also makes our system very interesting and different from it's basically not all, like we don't really score and say like it's not like you say, OK, this area has a quality of life. Let's just say this is a scale from zero to 10 and saying, OK, this area is a seven because that would be too hard. Right. So what we do is we actually compare all the opportunity zones against each other. And we say people that live in this opportunity zone have a better quality of life than 96 percent of all the people that live in all the other opportunity zones in the country. So we really create scoring systems. So it's really based on quantiles, right? And then we have like another indicator, which is, for example, okay, let's just say an area has low quality of life, but there's a lot of movement in the area. Let's just say incomes are growing. Uh, you're, we're seeing more jobs going to the area. Education levels are growing and crime is decreasing. So if we see all of that, we actually run a time series analysis to say, okay, there's a lot of quality of life improvement in the air, which we call the quality of life trend score. Uh, and if all those indicators are very high, we see a lot of movement. This area can have like a high quality of life scoring, like a 93, meaning it's accelerating faster faster than 93% of all the other opportunities also in the country, right? Those are a few of our indicators. As we mentioned, we got like 88. So we actually look at rent price growth scores. We look at rent scores. We look at occupancy levels of properties, medium household income, income growth rates. Uh, we look at rent. Uh, we look at property values. We look at risk of neighborhoods. For example, what is volatility in the area based on expected shortfall, value at risk, so on and so on. We look at like 10 different crime indicators for areas. So it's like, it's, it's a very robust. It's, it's a lot of data coming from multiple data sources. Uh, the majority of them are all based on the census track level. That's a lot you're trying to do there. Uh, so yeah, so some quality of life indicators, stuff like education, crime, commute times, and, and then it sounds like economic indicators, um, indicators such as rent, occupancy levels, income, property values. And, and you're looking not just at the static values that they are today, but you're also looking at 
at the trends. Is it is this neighborhood on an upswing or is it on a downswing? How, which direction are all these indicators trending in? So I think that's interesting. And where can you give me some examples of, of where you source your data from? Well, we multiple different data sources. For example, a lot of we we do have a lot of census data. Um, we do have we buy a lot of data from cities, counties, and and like like where we can buy data. We try to buy data. Um, we we also we scrape a lot of data. So we have like robots checking the internet to see like what are the average prices and rents in certain locations being practiced um so yeah we it's 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 a big process like those are just a few of them uh for example crime data we have crime data coming from the cities we have crime data coming from the fbi uh we have different crime indicators and even crime it looks like a simple thing it's still pretty complicated because you got to have access to a data but you got to interpret that data right um so for example how much does crime impacts real estate because you know places that are gentrifying Usually, one of the processes actually crime is decreasing, but like how much do, but there are different type of crimes. Like there is murder, there is rape, there is like what type of crime is decreasing? And certain type of crimes, especially in high density areas, are still very much present. So you got to divide crimes and understand which ones have a higher impact in real estate prices uh, and real estate growth prices as well. So it's it's a very complicated thing which we simplify for anybody that wants to look at it. Um, they don't have to think about it. We've, we've done all the thinking and hard work for them. I love when the hard work gets done for, for me. That's, that's <laughs> fantastic. I want to go back and talk a little bit more about the eight segments that you classify every single one of the opportunity zones into. So you've got four different segments, emerging, slow, strong, and stable. You've got, you've got four of those for urban, and then you've got, you've got those same four repeated for uh, exactly. sub- suburban and rural. Can, can you explain what your AI is doing and, and how it classifies every opportunity zone to fit into one of those eight buckets or segments? Well, it, it, absolutely. It's it's basically um, this year is a, a more a, a, it was a big study trying to identify profile of neighborhoods that will make the life easier for investors to that don't really have all the expertise to understand where they want to be in. Uh, you know, our system can be very tailored and investors can do very specific queries. And so what we really, we really have done through the segmentation is, okay, tell me what do you want? Do you want to be in the best ones or do you, like you want to be in areas that are already very high, property values are high, meaning almost like your risk is a little bit lower or are you willing to be in a more emerging area, right? Uh, and what the system does, it basically has to aggregate all of that and really try to identify, like for example, high density, high like high income, high growth rates. Where do you where do you set up the cut, right? Like what is a high income and high growth on the op- and remember we're only comparing opportunity zones against opportunity zones in this case, right? So it's not high income, uh, it, it, like comparing a zip code where the um income on that zip code is $150,000. We're talking areas where the income is 40 to 60 to, there are some opportunities on that like property values and low to have gentrify enough that right now the like people in those areas make incomes of $100,000 because they use 2010 census data when they deem the opportunity zones, right? So 
really what our system had to do is try to establish those kind of cuts. Uh, so that's kind of one of the system. It's it's hard to get into detail how the system really works to do all of that. Uh, but anybody can go to your system. And this is, by the way, this is actually one of the things we we strive and we try to make sure to, to help the industry. This segmentation is free. So anybody can go to Investrio and just click and identify census tracts that represent those investment criteria and that data is actually free. So we basically, anybody can go to our system and look at like what is the average rent price growth score in the area, quality of life scores, medium household income, uh, and they can see all the opportunity zones by dots on the map that have, which are strong urban or uh, which are like emerging urbans. That's neat. I'll have to go check that out. Um, could you can you explain what other tools you offer to your users? I understand that the segmentation is free, but but once you become a, a user, what other what other tools do you have at Investreal? So so the first one exactly. If if an investor right now the the segmentation is free, you can click, you can find an opportunity zone, but you can't really see the full on report, right? So if you want to see a full on report, that's part of the the page description, um, where you basically can analyze every 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 property you want to every every area you want to click you just click on the area and you have a full-on report on that given census tract the opportunity zone so we have like over all the other over 88 different indicators in the opportunity zone where you can track so that's also uh that's also a full-on report that's paid uh you also get the opportunity to track uh any address you click on the address and we have the full-on report we have the ranking system as well. So we can just basically select any investment criteria that make sense for you. And we will rank all the opportunities according to your investment profile. And we also got like a mapping feature, which, and by the way, this data is not only opportunity zones, it's zip code and materials as well. So we got a mapping. Let's just say you want to track which, you just put in the US and say, I want to track which materials have the highest um, quality of life growth scores and we will color code a map so the areas that have like light green are the best ones and the areas that have like let's just say red are the worst ones and then you can click and see different dynamics on the map of what's happening so you can just let's just say you want to look at a map and on the zip code level which which zip codes have higher crime rates or which zip codes have for example another indicator we've created like which is really really interesting called like the house value growth score which is how much alpha would that neighborhood uh, experience comparing to all the other neighborhoods in the country? And alpha is really excess returns. Uh, and that's based on short-term forecasting, market volatility, uh, and and market health on the market. So it's a really strong indicator if you don't want to lose money and where you want to invest and you want to have excess return, like meaning you want to invest in a place that will appreciate in value, and you're not gonna, uh, and you're not gonna lose your money. You can go and do it in a map, and we will tell on a map which zip codes or opportunity zones you want to be, and it's color coded so you can see all the trends as well. Like you can, like for example, you, you will see the colors on a map, and you can see, oh, looks like the southeast of this metropolitan area. That's where the growth is going. Uh, it's not really going north. It's actually going southeast, and you can see all of that. So that's kind of like few of our powerful tools as well. And then ultimately, um, invest investors and, and developers can also connect through that, right? Like, say, an investor, you have access to the data, and you also have access to developers that have projects inside Opportunity Zones. 
That's neat. A lot of resources you have there at Investrial. So I'm, I'm actually looking at your your free map right now, which is color coded uh, green, kind of shaded down to red. I guess are the ones with the with the poorer scores. The green is the green are the good scores. Are you noticing any trends geographically speaking? Like where are the the high scoring opportunity zones located? Is is there any trend or, or clustering that you notice uh, anywhere? It- it, once again, it depends a lot of what type of profile you want to be as an investor. If you want to be, uh, if you want to be in areas where you see quality of life, it, it really depends, right? That's that's the thing about it. A lot of people ask me like, which opportunity zones are the best one? I was like, oh, it depends. Like, are you willing to take more risk? And like, are you looking to like make a lot of money or just looking to make some kind of money, right? Um, so definitely. If you look at, for example, quality of life trend scores, uh, it's pretty interesting because the coasts uh, are, you know, a lot of them are really appreciated a lot. So we're seeing mostly inland uh, the trends growing, um, but not really in the west. So so it, it really depends on the indicator, um, but definitely it's it. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's any specific like the west is southeast or something that that's better. It depends on depends on the profile of the investor. It depends. Like the answer to many investing questions that I ask, the answer is it depends, right? So, who are your users right now, Stefan, and and how are they using the platform differently? Like how how are investors using your platform and how are developers using your platform? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, users are investors and developers as mentioned. Um Investors can use our platform. They're using our platform to, uh, first of all, if someone brings them a project, they use our data to figure it out if you know, that location actually makes sense to invest, um, to discover where they want to be. And, 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 and let me put the, the bucket on investors, uh, bucket on investors and putting even like the, the funds as well. Like anybody is putting money to work in opportunity zones, right? Um, so they, they're the ones that are using the platform and from a data perspective and also they see value in having access to developers so we're seeing that they're you know especially the ones that you know funds that are raising a lot of money they can come to us if they they you know they're in need of deploying capital um or even you're just a family office you realize gains you have you you have 180 days to reinvest your capital uh you're running out of time you know you, you haven't really found an interesting project you can come to us we have uh, multiple projects available, and on the other hand, like the developers, they're using uh, our platform to uh, first of all have access to the data and understand if like, hey, I'm actually thinking on developing this uh, project in this location. Does it make sense? And if it makes sense, because I, at the end of the day, they want to make their promotes, right? Like they want to make their money. Um, and the second thing is, okay, this is great. Can you help me connect with capital gains investors because I don't have those kinds of relationships. Good. So it seems that your platform is geared around real estate investing, but can it be used for venture investing as well? So our focus is really big in real estate. Um, so we probably would not see any businesses in our marketplace. Not to say that a venture capitalist cannot use our data for certain uh, you know, ideas of where he wants to invest in. Let's just say if you want to invest in areas, uh, you want to invest in opportunity zones, but you, you want to be the new VC, you want to be the guy that understands, okay, I want to be in areas where I see high employment growth, high, you know, like I want to, I want to invest in an area where my starters can find talent. They can actually use our data for that. 
uh, our data is really geared through, towards real estate, but also uh, our data is really focused towards understanding people, what's happening with people that live in that location. And ultimately, uh, all the economic drivers are uh, comes from the individuals that live in that area, right? So if you're a startup, you need talent, uh, our data can help understand like how much talent, like is there talent available based on, uh, uh, for example, how what's the average, um, uh, how many What's the average of people that live in that area in terms of school years? How many years have they spent in school? Or, you know, if you want to build talent, talent doesn't want to commute a lot. So they want to stay closer to your offices. Uh, so what is the commuting time of people live in those areas? So those uh, that data might help, but it's really geared towards real estate. Gotcha. Uh, sh- shifting toward the regulatory climate at the moment, the, the IRS regulations on qualified opportunity funds are not yet finalized. Is there... Uh, anything in particular that you're seeking clarity on? Well, it's definitely, um, you know, there. Are, I'm not. I'll leave the answer to that to the attorneys. <laughs> so, Smart idea. Uh, it, it's. Uh, it, I'll. I'll do say something. You know, like it will be really good to. Uh, if I just, if I can summarize, like one or two. Um, you know, like just like what happens with distribution. Uh, you know, like especially when you're looking at depth. Uh, like what can what's going to happen in terms of uh, refinancing and that kind of stuff? That's that's really one of the key issues. That I think are critical because real estate utilizes that very well, uh, a lot. It's it's a, it's basically uh, almost intrinsic into real estate transactions. I think that's one of the biggest things we want to see um, in, in 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 the new regs. And before we wrap things up, I'll pose a question to you that I pose to most of my guests on the podcast. Stefan, what's been your favorite investment of all time? Is there anything in particular that stands out? Absolutely. Uh, Investorial, no doubt. It's going to be my best investment for sure. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're right. So, no, that's awesome. The the one you're currently involved in. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you want to stay a second one, it's probably my Airbnb stock. Uh, but Investorial for sure. Yeah, Airbnb, not not a bad return there, I'm sure either. <laughs> So, uh, Stefan, before we go, where can my listeners go to learn more about you and Invest Real? Uh, so, you're all welcome to go to our website and register. You know, if, if you can just sign in. Uh, we, you, if you're a developer, if you're an investor, if you just want access to our data, we got all, all you know the registration and process for that. Uh, if you want to connect with me, please do it on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a complicated name, but if you're reading this podcast, uh, there's somewhere in there with my name, Stefan Schumannis, but there's not, there's definitely not two of us in the world. I've got this unique name and it, please email me. Uh, so my email is my first name at investreal.com. So Stefan at investreal.com. Very easy. Uh, you're welcome to connect with me directly. It will be a pleasure to um, hear from you and get in touch with you. Awesome. Thanks, Stefan. So uh, for my listeners out there, I'll have the show notes for today's episode on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find the show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And you'll find links to all of the resources that Stefan and I discussed on today's show. I'll have links to InvestReal and how to spell Stefan Shimena's name and a link to his LinkedIn profile and his email as well so you can get in touch. Hey, Stefan, thanks again for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jimmy. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. 
Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund Investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.